So it's been fun over the last couple weeks as we've started to wind down our time here at Preservation Hall. And, and admittedly, I will spend some time in lament saying, yeah, I, I feel bad for the folks who are online because based on the statistics that we see, we've basically kept the same amount of folks attending in worship for the last couple months since we've been here. It's just been who has felt more comfortable being online than being in this space. It's all about even now. And it's fun to say, yeah, you know, it's feel bad for those folks. They haven't been able to kind of experience this. And I would say every single person who I have talked to who has at least had one Sunday in here will say something to the effect of like, yeah, that's true, but this has actually been kind of nice. This has been kind of fun. And, you know, we oftentimes we'll look at this building and most of us are neighbors here and we wonder, well, what happens here? It had been 40 years, like I had said, since there had been worship in this church. And so we were able to bring that back. And I also sort of feel like as part of this uh, exodus that we've done, we might want to come back once a year and maybe come back and worship here again. I think that'll be fun. We can do another picnic and just remember that this has been part of our journey as we're going through this transition. And I wondered why. Really, like, why have people enjoyed this? Maybe the novelty has been great, but you know, novelty can only last you one or two weeks, and then, you know, then you're here and you're used to it, and you know, not everything works the same way it should. You know, like any summer home, right? You leave for long enough, and you come back, and everything—the pipes are clanking, and, and half the roof is leaking, and you wonder what's going on. We certainly don't have the same bells and whistles we have in our really gorgeous sanctuary. In fact. I didn't measure it, but my guess is we could probably fit this entire church in our sanctuary and still have space. Um, So we got this big, fancy, gorgeous building, been well-maintained. It's a lot of fun in there. I mean, Michael and Gretchen have done a spectacular job making this role and bring us worship, but let's be honest, this is not our organ. (laughs) I realize that might be tough for y'all to hear, right? It's not our our Baldwin grand piano that sits there in all of its beauty and majesty. This is a nice instrument, but no, we we are using tape to keep things up. (laughs) That's fine. And I know Gretchen and Michael both have struggled. This is really funny. The the sustain pedal wants to have a mind of its own, and it kind of wanders around. I saw Gretchen... (laughs) <laughs> uh, you know, it's, and I, I think it's great. You know, we got folks who have been reliably coming up here every Sunday to sing, and I'm very grateful for them, but this is not our full choir. Yeah, I mean, don't take that person, right? I mean, I've been sitting here sort of singing the bass line. And this is not my Cadillac pulpit that I have. You know, I don't. I don't have multiple layers of shelves that I can keep, like, you know, my emergency bug out kit if y'all don't like the sermon. I've got, you know, like a hundred bucks and my car keys so I can bug out on it. Yeah, I'm stuck here. And I don't even really need a microphone. The only reason why I wear this microphone is for the folks who are online. And my voice reaches all of you. But I think sometimes... In the midst of a lot of things going on, it is nice to have a distilled moment and to sit in a distilled moment in what we really need. Clarity within chaos, with less confusion, 
and a lot of simplicity in a complex world. And maybe at the end of the day, what these eight weeks have done is provided a little bit of balm in what has been for multiple years for this church a complicated and complex time. All y'all had to do was come through those doors, sit and hang out for an hour and go out. You didn't have to think about all the things that were going on over there. But the truth is, is we're going to go back. <laughs> and we're going to go back to all those things. So I've wondered, what are the things that we could take away from this time together in this space? Take it with us as we head back to the work that we're doing. And I actually think these two passages, James and Mark, which do on the first reading sound a little hellfire and brimstone, right? Like, I think they actually tell a better story than just those things that we kind of glance I think that James distills down what are the things that really matter for us as we think about our community. And the first thing is prayer, right? Throughout all of this James passage, that really rings true, that if you strip down everything else that's going on, what matters for us in community is that we're praying together. You know, James talks about prayers of healing. If any of you are sad or if you are having a tough time, you should pray. It's talking about joy. If any of you are excited, you should sing songs of praise, like zippity-doo-dah. Now, I don't know if that's in our hymnal, but, you know, that could work. That we confess with each other, right? That we recognize the times that we have done wrong, and in our brokenness, we confess with each other. And just as certain as we confess that brokenness, we receive forgiveness from each other. All four of those together seem to be a bedrock, according to James, of how to live together in community. If you do those four things, you've gone a long way in terms of being together. And if you notice, all of these four things are active. Right? They're not what you need to do is go sit alone for 45 minutes without anybody around you and stare at the wall. I'm not saying meditation is bad, but if that's all we did, well, then we'd be staring at a lot of walls for a long period of time. No, what we want to do is be active. And do you notice that each of these are actually pointing to somebody else? None of these are singular activities meant for just the individual, but it's always done at the very least between one person and God. But more often than not in all of these, it's connecting with somebody else, right? If you're not feeling well, you should pray. If you're joyful, you should sing songs of praise. If you're sick, which can also mean that you're upset, you should go talk to the elders of the church, and they will pray over you, and they will anoint you with oil. And let's just be clear. If any of you ever wanted that, if you said, oh, what I really could use is being prayed over and anointed with oil, I will gladly come to you and anoint you with oil and pray over you. And I'm fairly certain any of the other elders would probably do it as well. It's not something that's just in the Bible that sounds cute. I would be glad to pray over you. I do that every day anyway fun to do it in person. But you see, it's not an individualized activity. It's something that's done in community. And these motions, this breathing in and breathing out, this organic movement is what defines this community to move it forward. No, these four things don't allow us to be dead, but instead bring us life. Community, friends, then, is built through prayer. What an awesome concept. Could you, I mean, really think about this for a moment. I don't want to leave this too quickly. But 
can you think every prayer that you pray in this community can build it up? That if you're excited about where we're going and the potential, and you don't know what else to do, pray in community. If you're sad, if you're excited, if you're feeling like you've done something wrong, and if you're in a mood to forgive somebody, do all those things, and that can help this church be more of what God's called it to. When all else fails, if you don't know what else you can do or what tool is in your toolbox, remember, just simply pray. We'll help build this community. So that's the first one. The second thing I see here is this whole idea James talks about almost feels like rescuing in the community, right? That, that not only are we supposed to pray for each other, but if somebody is lost, then we need to go get them, right? If somebody has wandered away, we need to go seek them. And this is not a theme that is foreign to us. Jesus talks about the, the sheep and the flock, and when the one goes away, that Jesus will come and bring them back, right? We've heard this before. It's always interesting, though, that the onus is not on the one who is lost. Right? It's not the one who's lost responsibility to be found. We can't expect that every single person who wanders away suddenly has their spiritual GPS lined back up to SJPC, and they're going to find their way. Instead, it is incumbent on those that are within the community to go seek out the ones that are lost to go knock on the door, to go check in with the neighbor, to call Auburn up at the cocktail party, <laughs> to tell the good story of what's going on, not just because it's about our church, but because it's about the exciting things that Jesus Christ does in this world. We are not the only church that good things is happening. I'm fairly convinced it's every church that Jesus is doing good work. I'm convinced it's the whole world that Jesus is doing good work. But boy, when you can distill it down to something so clear, it really is nice to tell that story. But it's on us to be the ones to go find the folks and not the other way around. And I think Mark helps us to think even more about this in depth. Do you hear, this is one of my favorite lines in all of scripture. The disciples are saying, Jesus, I saw this guy over here. He was doing what you're doing. And if you read Mark all the way through, you'll see that the disciples tried to cast out demons and they couldn't do it yet. So they're probably a little jealous. Jesus, we told this guy to stop. Even though he was doing it in your name, we told him, nah, you can't do that. We are good spiritual bouncers, Jesus. We're good at keeping folks out. And Jesus says, stop it. Jesus is meant, is want to do often in Mark. And he says, those who are not against us are for us. Not those who are not for us are against us. Those who are not against us are for us. And then goes in to talk about, listen, if these folks are willing to give you a cup of water in my name, yeah, they're doing the right thing. They're doing what they're supposed to do. And I think, too, this is such an important distilled clarity that we need as people in this world thinking about what really matters for us in the church. I can tell the consequences of the lowered humidity, and while I'm not sweating, I'm getting parched. 
I think it's easy to look at someone who might be out there in this world right now doing the work of the gospel, but perhaps are not quite doing it the way we think it should be done. That's really easy to look at good people out there doing the work of joy, doing the work of, of healing and forgiveness and confession, that they're building the Christ-like community, but because they don't quite do the same thing we do, or they don't quite understand things the same way we do, or maybe they look different than us, or maybe they think some different things, that then the only way that they could really be part of the community, the only way that they can truly be rescued is if they pass through all the necessary requirements to get on the other side of the fold. We have a tendency to shut people out far too often because they don't quite check all of the boxes to get through the gate. But I think if people who are out there doing the work of rescuing, if people are doing the acts of healing and joy, confession and forgiveness, then I wonder if we ought, without hesitation, consider them to be part of the community. Otherwise, aren't we just tossing up a lot of unnecessary stumbling blocks in the way of folks working on rescuing others? And this is one thing I'll say. Jesus is being clearly hyperbolic to say, you know what, throwing up stumbling blocks is not good for that person, but it's actually really much worse for you. If you throw a stumbling block on somebody else, it's better that you are like not quite yourself. That's how strongly Jesus is trying to argue that when we limit the community that we're in, that the consequences are serious. And honestly, friends, I think this goes without saying, but there are so many folks in our communities that have been too often made to feel like they need to be rescued when they are probably doing a better job of being the rescuer, helping those folks out in the community, than us being the ones tossing up stumbling blocks along the way. I think it's easy to keep doing that, right? Because I want my pasture to be the way I want it. I want everything to be the way I want to have the expectations that who comes in on Sunday is the same people. This is my tribe. But it's not my tribe. It's the community of Jesus Christ. And there are folks plenty far afield who are doing just as good, if not better work, than those who are sitting here in the safety of the community. And perhaps what we ought to do is give praise to the rescuers than place stumbling blocks on those that we perceive need to be rescued. As we keep moving forward, as we go over back to the sanctuary and we start again, like I talked about at the beginning of the service, we are going to get noticed. This is one thing I'm trying to warn. <laughs> not warn, people who are going to be coming into the church, right? We've, we've had plenty of visitors over the last few months. Um, not to give away too much, but you know, we've had almost 16 people through new members and baptism this year join this church. We've already gotten started, right? Half our building is like hanging off. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> 
And people are like, oh man, this is cool. And it's going to keep happening. This is not going to stop. People are going to see what we're doing. People are going to lament the tragic decline of American Christianity and look how, look how it's exemplified in this church that's knocking down three quarters of its buildings. And listen, I'll take advantage of any opportunity to be in front of somebody and say, no, nah, that's not how we see it. We just see it as we're practicing what we preach. We said we wanted to be open-armed, but we were willing to tear down buildings to be open-armed to our community. Ooh. Ooh. Haven't you wanted a church to say that out loud for a long time? We practiced what we preached and we went forward and we did it. So we're going to have people continue to look at us and to scrutinize us and to judge us and maybe be in competition with us. I think that would be great. But the consequences of that is that we will continue to get more busy. We will continue to have greater complexity. And as a result, at times, we will become more disjointed. We will sometimes struggle even with communication with each other, let alone with those outside of here. And for us, it will have to be holding on to the most central, distilled actions of our faith that will help us not to forget our fundamental charge. In the midst of everything that's going to go on over the next few years, it will be good to hold on to some anchors that will say, if I do nothing else, if I can pray joyfully, reach out when I'm sick, be willing to ask for forgiveness and receive it, and to celebrate the rescuers who are out there in the field and welcome them, welcome them home. If I can do that, then here's the secret. It doesn't matter if this was going to be our permanent home or not. We would still be doing what the gospel asks us to do. And we would still be a dynamic church doing the work of community. And I think, moreover, it's these distilled actions that a world that is all too often had to look, especially in the last couple of years, in the face of continuous death and destruction, boy, I think that's what the world needs to hear. Which then means, if more folks hear that, more folks are going to want to show up. It's going to get more busy and more complex and more crazy, so even more so we need to hold on to these things that are the most important things to keep us together as a community. I also think it means that sometimes as a body we will need in our collective hearts to confess when we have been more a stumbling block than safe harbor. And here's the truth. That's not meant to be a shaming comment. We are in the South. The South has had its pluses and minuses over the last 150 years. I'm fairly certain that every church in the South will have things in their heart that they need to confess. I'm pretty sure every church everywhere developed and put together by broken people has something to confess. There's a convenience that sometimes it's a little bit more obvious than, say, churches I've served up North. And we can hide it a little bit more deeply. But you know, we shouldn't be afraid of confessing. We shouldn't be afraid of acknowledging where we've made mistakes because forgiveness is right around the corner. We say that every Sunday, why would it change? 
But the true gift of all of this is we leave this space and we head back and hopefully we've had some respite, some Sabbath time here and we're moving forward to do the work is that I cannot think of any other church in the city of Jacksonville, Florida who might have the opportunity to speak this so loudly with such a stage. At least not since Channel 4 was hanging out with their cameras up in the balcony of this church. If you all, or you all online, can tell me a church who could do this better, I'd love to know. We have got a once-in-a-generational opportunity right in front of us. It's cool for us, yes, but what an opportunity to retell the story of faithful living in this one-million-person city than what we can do right now. So as we go over there, friends, and we have a much better internet connection, we have our fancy organ, and our 15, 16 member choir singing songs of praise and I wear my resplendent robe with all of my with all of the accoutrements of my job as the pastor and we will settle into a sense in the back of our pews of a sense of comfort. Let's not forget to hold on to what really matters. And tell that story again and again and again. Thanks be to God.